Hi, everyone. Father Schneier here. Thanks so much for listening to my weekly Sunday homilies. I'm always humbled and honored that folks take time out of their day to listen to my preaching. For this weekend's homily, there is so much more that I could have and really wanted to talk about. But as you can tell, my homily was already pretty long as it was, and I didn't want to preach for a half hour because that's not what I do. So I've attached some, we'll call them maybe all things new myths and facts in the show notes for this episode. I encourage you to check them out and maybe share them with friends when you hear some of these common myths brought up in conversation. Anyway, thanks so much and God bless. The philosopher Aristotle very famously wrote, all men need to be governed. Governance is one of the most basic needs of human life. Without it, the human race could very easily descend into chaos. Our fallen nature needs order and rule. And the solemnity we celebrate today, the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, is a celebration of the governance of Christ over his mystical body, the church. Like any organization, the mystical body of Christ needs good governance, and thankfully, our Lord provides it in both the heavenly and in the temporal realms. Now, as we know, governance is a bit of a hot topic in our local church here in St. Louis. With all things new and the debate about what is best for our community and the decisions that need to be made. And it was in January that that campaign began, 10 months ago, and a lot has obviously happened since that time. And Father Schrader and I felt that this weekend was a good weekend to address this topic from the pulpit. Not from the weekend roundup, not from the bulletin, but from the pulpit as spiritual fathers. Maybe to set the record straight on a couple of things. So as many of you know, last month we had our listening sessions here at Incarnate Word. And as many of you who went and attended or heard, the most likely scenario, not finalized yet, I should point that out, would be that we would be merging with St. Monica's and St. John Bosco Parish. There have been a lot of really fruitful discussions in the wake of those listening sessions, a lot of wonderful ideas and insights from so many of you, and we thank you so much for that. Father Schrader and I have sent so much stuff on to the All Things New office. It's really been wonderful to hear about how much we love our parishes and what we can do better moving forward. And as we know, those models will be refined over the winter and the spring, and the final decisions will be announced on Pentecost weekend of 2023. But Father Schrader and I also know that there's a lot of confusion out there about why we're doing this, about what really the objective is in something as big as strategic planning. And so really that's what we wanted to address to you today. So a couple of years ago, less than a month after he arrived in St. Louis, a group of young priests, myself among them, very boldly asked the archbishop if we could have him over for dinner. And he said yes. So we got four different group dinners of all kinds of young priests so we could all get our turn. And in the course of dinner discussion, Archbishop posed a question to us at the table. He said, if you were Archbishop of St. Louis, what would you do? And most priests will tell you we make very good armchair archbishops. We are fantastic armchair archbishops. And I, as I was getting ready to just pontificate of all the wonderful things I had on my mind, one of my brother priests said, I'll respond to your question with another question. Do we minister to buildings or do we minister to people? And all of us nodded our heads in agreement and the conversation went on from there. Brothers and sisters, your priests, the priests of the archdiocese, especially the younger clergy, 
have been asking and frankly begging for something like this for many years. It's something that we talked about at length even back in seminary a decade ago. Something that would frequently come up in a late night conversation with brothers. Or whenever we would get together with priests, it was something that would inevitably come up at some point. And all of us had our ideas about what would work. My idea was to call the campaign, go the extra mile, literally. Uh, it was not chosen. I'm over it. Um, but that was my idea. Again, it was, didn't happen. Um, but in many ways, all of this that is happening right now is a response to what we as a presbyterate have been asking for over the course of many years. But the real question that I think a lot of people have on, your heart, on their hearts is simply, how does merging and closing parishes help us with evangelization? That is a fair question. And it's a very valid question that many people have brought to us over the course of these last few weeks. And I think to better illustrate this idea of maybe the purpose of what we're doing, I want to talk about a battle in World War II, the Battle of Dunkirk. It was a battle fought early in the war, summer of 1940, before the U.S. was even involved. And what was going on was British forces had been sent over into France, 400,000 of them in fact. The entire British army was sent over to France, to Central Europe, to help try to, pull, to push back against the Germans. But the problem was they were getting beaten and beaten badly. They kept getting driven back and driven back and driven back to the point that they were surrounded in this one little French town of Dunkirk, surrounded on all sides with only the English Channel behind them. And all the Germans had to do was pick them off from the air one by one, and that 400,000 strong army would be defeated, and there would be no one left to protect the British Isles. The new prime minister at the time, Winston Churchill, made a daring and difficult decision to retreat, to bring that army home, knowing that it would be seen as a massive defeat, that it would mean the fall of France and the defeat of, of continental Europe. But Churchill knew it was the only way that they could protect their homeland by retreating, regrouping and retooling, and then being able to hopefully attack again. And that's exactly what they did. The Royal Navy commandeered hundreds and hundreds of boats. Anything that could float, small fishing vessels, went over to Dunkirk and brought over 400,000 British soldiers home. It was one of the biggest retreats in military history. But ironically, it turned out to be one of the most decisive victories of World War II. Because if that army would have stayed in Europe, they would have all been killed and Britain would have very easily fallen, and our world would look very different today. Without Dunkirk, Great Britain would have never been in the position to join us on the beaches of Normandy almost four years to the day later. And I believe we are at a Dunkirk moment in our archdiocese today, brothers and sisters, and by doing so, we have to admit defeat, I think, on a number of fronts, that on the whole, our parishes are not the vibrant institutions that they once were. That on the whole, our schools are not producing lifelong followers of the gospel as they did in prior generations. And that so many young people are deserting the church and faith in God in vast numbers. I think we have to admit to that, to own up to it. And it isn't just a you or an us problem. It is all of us. All of us, I think. The onus is on all of us. But I think the problem, though, is all things new is very self-confirming for whatever people think is wrong with the church. 
That it's so validating for anything that people think is wrong with the church, all things new confirms it. It is confirmation bias to the extreme. But I think what we have to do is remove that filter a bit and the biases from the equation and simply acknowledge the facts that what we have been doing, much like that British army, is not working. Our archdiocese is bleeding 5,000 people a year. If you divide that on a per capita basis across the archdiocese, that is the equivalent of 60 people or about 20 families leaving incarnate word each and every year. And for too long, our mindset has simply been, well, if our building stays open, people will come. But that is no longer the case. Again, so many people rightly ask, how does closing buildings encourage evangelization? And I would simply reply with, how has keeping them been open been working out for us so far? If our buildings are so key to evangelization, then how have we been losing 5,000 people with them open? That's not a great track record. And I know it might seem counterintuitive to go about large-scale mergers in this way. But I would argue that in our Dunkirk moment, there is a need to retreat. We will have to get smaller before we get bigger. To pull back and preserve the resources we do have. Whether that's our priests, our financial resources, our social capital. To retool and reorganize so that we can be better equipped to go on the offensive in the future. And I dare say, brothers and sisters, that All Things New will allow us to do a few things. First, it will allow us to focus on evangelizing one-on-one with other people. Again, so much of our energy as a local church has been put into buildings, campuses, and infrastructure when it could be going to evangelization. Again, for many parishes, the mission statement is simply, we want to keep our parish open rather than go and make disciples. We become keepers of aquariums rather than fishers of men. Secondly, maybe that's something that Father Schrader and I can attest to, that bigger parishes, which will inevitably result from all things new, will mean more resources available on the parish level and allow us to rethink so many ministries in a positive way. The capabilities really are much more immense for things like family ministry, marriage counseling at the parish level, retreats, and youth ministry. And I know that many folks are used to, stronger community, to smaller communities, and those are beautiful and wonderful things. But my experience in the priesthood, and a lot of Father Schrader's as well, have been in our largest parishes. And we can tell you that there are real, real intangible benefits and expanded capabilities of ministry that only exist when a parish is on a larger scale. And then maybe finally, another area that's close to my heart would be ministry to universities in Missouri. All Things New could allow us to send priests from St. Louis to Mizzou, Rolla, Missouri State, among others. There are thousands, thousands of St. Louis students who go to these universities every year who are underserved by the other dioceses in our state simply because they're even more stretched than we are. We can go to universities where a lot of our students are abandoning the faith, put a good dent in that, hopefully, and even recruit for more vocations to the priesthood. But in the meantime, in order to get to this new, we will have to close parishes and close many schools. And I know that is painful for a lot of people. And my own family isn't spared from that. My home parish, 
Or I received all my sacraments and offered my first mass. Might very well close. My sisters perish. My grandparents, founding members of their parish, it might close. If you want to know what my Thanksgiving conversations are going to be like on Thursday, it's going to be about all things new. That's what I'm going to be talking about all day on Thursday. And I've heard the sadness and the anger over a lot of this. Because our church buildings are special. Many of them quite beautiful and ornate. And it's going to hurt to lose them. They are the most important buildings in the world. No doubt about it. But our buildings are a means to an end. Not the end in itself. And when those buildings no longer serve the end to which they are made namely the proclamation of the gospel, or getting in the way of that, we might need to let go of them for the sake of the larger mission and the higher end. I know it's daunting to look at what's potentially coming and get a little bit scared. But I stood at this pulpit on January 30th and told all of you that all things new would result in the most dramatic changes to our local church in our lifetime. As you can tell, I wasn't kidding. So yes, there might be more people here at church on a Saturday night or Sunday. Yes, it might mean our parking lot is a little bit more crowded. Or yes, we might have to drive a couple more miles to go to Mass every Sunday. But if those things are deal breakers for people with regards to being Catholic, then I would ask in humility how strong the faith was to begin with. Because if we are willing to fight traffic and parking to go to a Cardinal game, but not mass, that's a problem. If we're willing to drive longer for Chick-fil-A and the Lord's chicken than the Lord's supper at mass, that's a problem. And we're even open on Sundays too. (laughs) And I know, I know there are many naysayers out there making their voices heard as they have every right to do, who many sincerely think are doing the Lord's work. But so much of what you hear, especially on the internet, is riddled with falsehoods and has very little concept of the reality of parish life on the ground. Some people might say, oh, Father, you're just saying this because you promised obedience on your priestly ordination day. Well, I've heard that. Father Schrader and I have heard that too. One very charitable email to myself and a number of brother priests referred to us as good German enablers for not speaking up against the archbishop. And yes, obedience is a very important part of my life. I promised it on my ordination day. But one thing I did not promise, brothers and sisters, was to trust. I promised respect and obedience. I did not promise that I would trust everything that my superior would ask me to do. I'm not required to do it, and I firmly believe it must be earned. But I want you to hear it from me that I unequivocally trust our archbishop on this. He has my 100% trust, and I implore you to trust him too. He willingly came into this job knowing that there would be difficult decisions ahead. In fact, at his opening press conference, June 10th, 2020, then Bishop Mitchell Rosansky said, I do not want a community burdened by buildings. He has been upfront about this from day one. and He's willing to be the bad cop in order to help our archdiocese in the long run. Brothers and sisters, this is what it means to govern. This is the governance of the mystical body of Christ that we celebrate today. A shepherd discerning how to lead his flock, and us, the flock, needing candidly to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, sure, 
The governance of Christ is often a governance of weakness and defeat. That was the case on the cross. He saved others. He cannot save himself, our Lord heard. And yes, Jesus was seen as an earthly failure on that day, but he saw beyond the earthly failure. He saw what was bigger, saw what was more important, namely our eternal salvation. And what we are experiencing as a local church is difficult. It's saddening and it is painful. But it is for the sake of the greater mission, the proclamation of the gospel. So as subjects of Christ the King, brothers and sisters, let us pray today for a spirit of trust in him. That the Holy Spirit might continue to work through those chosen to lead our local church. Let us open our hearts to what God wants for us and embrace new things so that we might serve our Lord with hearts full of gladness and joy.